Welcome to the Squared Circle Pants! Today's special guest, Justin Wayne! And now, here is your host, Rob Paspani! Welcome to the perhaps last Squared Circle Pit for 2021. It is Rob welcoming you back. Thank you so much for your patience and for, uh, you know, checking me out and being a part of Squared Circle Pit. If this is your first time listening to Squared Circle Pit, I implore you, hit up our archives at squaredcirclepit.com. Just in the last few episodes, I've interviewed Paul Heyman, which is maybe my favorite interview I've done. I've interviewed MVP, who, believe it or not, is a metalhead. Malachi Black, a.k.a. Tommy End. Brody King. Rhea Ripley. Damian Priest. And in my archives, I have Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho. I have uh, John Moxley. The AEW music producer, Mikey Ruckus. Triple H. Edge. Seth Rollins. Corey Taylor, Maynard from Tool, Darby Allen, Brian Posehn. The list goes on and on. Go to squaredcirclepit.com for all the archives. I have internet sensation Justin Wang on the show. I'm very excited to talk to Justin, a fellow New Yorker, fellow old school ECW head. We had a lot of fun talking. And then after the interview, I'm going to give my thoughts on the current state of pro wrestling. So hopefully you enjoy that. I want to quickly mention, please follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and our newly launched YouTube page. I'm going to be posting video versions of the interviews as I do them. So you can watch the Justin interview on the YouTube page. Uh, and it'll be a good time. So here's my interview with Justin, and then stick around after for my thoughts on what's going on in the world of pro wrestling. Now entering the squared circle pit, he is an internet influencer. He is a historian. He is Justin Wang. Oh, he's also the guitarist of Jinx. Let, 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 let me not undersell that. Hey, what's going on, Rob? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I don't do a lot of podcasts anymore, but this is such like a unique concept like you need crossing of different worlds I'm interested in that I'm like, all right, yeah, let me do this one. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Well, I, I, I'm very happy to hear that. And yeah, yeah, I try to try to keep it fun. Obviously the, the show is about the intersection between heavy metal and pro wrestling. And I feel like you fit that intersection to a T. So I, I thought you'd yeah. be a perfect guest. Yeah, for sure. And for those of you that don't know, Justin, he has a amazing YouTube channel uh, about talking about weird memes from the internet it came from the internet right Am I yeah uh, tales from the internet that's the tales name of from the internet sorry yeah, the, the <laughs> series yeah <laughs> just like a lot of weird internet stuff like i have a video about like what actually happened to the one guy one jar guy um i did one recently a short video um about a guy who uh he thought he could cure his back pain by injecting his own sperm into his arm mm. so that was that was like that's that's along the vein of what you're looking at with my channel <laughs> Uh, and so let's, let's just, uh, dive right into it. Which did you get into first? Was it heavy metal or pro wrestling? Uh, definitely wrestling. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what, yeah. Like when I was born, like my mother was a wrestling fan. So I was born into a house that had VHS tapes that were older than me. Amazing. So was, yeah. Do you remember your first wrestling memory? Oh God. The first wrestling memory. It, it like, it, it's so hard because it's like when you have like that stuff you're watching, like, it, you have that moment as a child, I guess, where like your memory like becomes into existence, and it's hard to draw the line. But I do remember 
it's actually a really dopey memory, but it was one of the Royal Rumbles. And I forget which one. It was one of the very early ones. And I just remember this one part that for some reason fascinated me. And I would watch it over and over again. And it was the part where I'm pretty sure it was a botch. And the two guys came out at the same time and they didn't know whose turn it actually was. And they did it. It seemed like a botch in retrospect because like they didn't really know what to do. It didn't seem like a planned angle or anything. I, I feel like Don Morocco might have been one of them. But I don't remember who the other guy was at this point. Okay. So this is one but of the early a, ones. Yeah. Like 88 or 89. Yeah. Like it might have been like the second or third one. I'm sure if someone watched this is going to know immediately. <laughs> and, yeah. and and what was your first experience with heavy metal? First experience with heavy metal. I mean, I get honestly probably just maybe like some point in elementary school, one of my friends had had Master of Puppets. So, and that was like my first exposure to it, I believe. Nice. You're in Queens. Did you grow up in Queens? Yeah, I grew up in Queens. Fellow New Yorker. Same here. We were very lucky and very spoiled as New Yorkers in, in terms of being wrestling fans. Absolutely. Uh, we would get WWE, you know, every six weeks. And we were right in the thick of it for ECW. Were you on the ECW wave? Dude, that's like, you said that. You said that and immediately. That's where my head went. The fucking Elks Lodge shows. Like there was yes! nothing. Like the fucking Elks Lodge, like the real Elks Lodge, not like I mean, no hate towards the current Elks Lodge, but it's not the Elks Lodge. OK, I'm glad you mentioned the Elks Lodge. I was there for two ECW shows. I was very lucky to go. Do you remember how you discovered ECW? Honestly, I got into ECW pretty late. The first time I discovered ECW was that episode of Raw when like Sandman and a bunch of guys were just chilling at the fucking ringside causing trouble and i was like oh what, what's this all about so i went to uh went to looking it up and i was like oh this is like the coolest shit ever and that's how i got into it that's awesome yeah i discovered it a few months before just channel flipping and and, and i found it and i saw uh raven i've talked about this on the podcast before but i saw raven who i remembered as like scotty flamingo in wcw but i was like wait a minute he looks way oh, cooler yeah. here uh and then i was just it was like all the guys i remember from wwf and wcw but much cooler so i was like i'm in yeah just like being <laughs> cool yeah <laughs> yeah it was funny too like thinking about how like now i have like a, such a garbage sleep schedule i'm, I'm like i'm going to bed at like five in the morning some nights and i think back to those days when the only way you could watch ecw was like staying up till like two in the morning watching msg channel and exactly. and, and it's like it was like a struggle to keep my fucking eyes open to watch that and now it's like, oh, I'm just like, this is normal to me now. I have I have very similar memories of like going to bed at two in the morning and, and trying to stay up and watch it, like being in bed, waiting for it to come on <laughs> in my room, like yeah, it very oh low. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and every once in a while you miss it. And it's just like the worst feeling ever because it's like you don't got the Internet then. So like it, it exists, but you're not watching a whole episode of ECW the next night if you missed it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like one JPEG took 45 minutes to download. You're not downloading a whole episode of ECW. Yeah. Just like waiting an hour to download an old episode of South Park on real player format. <laughs> it, it is really funny, though, because people tend to assume that the like Internet wrestling fan didn't exist back then. Oh, it exists. It existed hardcore. <laughs> Actually. All right. So it's like a good time for me to talk about like the first thing I did online ever, which I went to keyword WWF mm -hmm. and like it was fucking all, the AOL days. We had fucking keywords. You got the fucking the Vince McMahon thing where he's like, welcome to keyword WWF on America Online. I go immediately to the chat room and get kicked out for calling the host a bitch. And that that's like the first wrestling experience. But everything like like there were so many things that like to think about it that were like located like just to like 
wrestling shit even like we're talking like 1996 97 mm-hmm. like it's been it's been around fuck there are so many like indie newsletters by just like dudes like you'd sign up in an AOL in the wwf chat room like people promoting their newsletters and sign up for it, and then you're just getting like a million different people's fucking opinions right to your email yeah i remember uh there was this guy sushi x i don't know if you remember him i rem- wait was he the same sushi x from egm magazine because i remember that being a guy but i don't know if they're the same guy I'm not sure, but a bunch of people bring signs of his about him. And he had a newsletter. And I remember it was the first time I ever got a newsletter with spoilers for like Shotgun Saturday Night. Oh, and I remember yeah. I remember I would wa- I watched the, the Shotgun Saturday Night. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know the results for this match. How is this possible? I was That's, yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was it, it was such a it was such a wild time to go from like a mark to a smart mark. And I feel like the real culmination during that era was the uh, Montreal screw job. Cause I feel like if you were online about it, that was like the first inside wrestling story that I think mainstream wrestling fans knew about. Cause I feel like everyone knew that was definitely like a coming to moment for like a good chunk of wrestling fans. Yeah. And it, and it is really interesting because I feel like unlike any other sport and unlike any other form of media, uh, maybe comic books, it seems like the backstage stuff is really what keeps me intrigued like it's more intriguing than what's going on in the ring sometimes you know just keeping up with the gossip especially back then yeah for sure like i mean also like i feel like the past couple years i've gotten like a lot more casual with my following of wrestling than i was in previous years that's part of it for me too but i feel like even now like i'm not as like i feel like mostly like if i follow backstage stuff it's just like oh like this and that person is going to get released and they do get released that's like that's not terribly exciting to me right right yeah it's a lot less drama now Partially yeah, I mean, because people, people are, are on less careful. drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> less cocaine backstage, so less acting out. Probably, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's probably like like wrestlers now just want to like fucking chill and like play some video games and whatnot. Which is like you'll hear like old heads sometimes like talk about like that like that's a bad thing, and it's like no, these guys are gonna have like much longer lives than a lot of their predecessors because of the differences in lifestyle. Yeah, there was that Undertaker quote last year where he essentially called the locker room a bunch of pussies. He didn't say pussies, but he basically yeah. implied it. And I was like, bro, like half of your generations of wrestlers are dead. What are you talking about? Like, it's, yeah, it was such a toxic culture. Well, I mean, yeah, like I, I mean, I get where he's coming from, but it's like, no, I'd rather people be a little pussy and have like longer, healthier lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So who were your guys growing up? Who 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 was who was your stable? Growing up, uh, I mean, like from like that get go, I was like a Hulk Hogan guy. Then I moved on to being a warrior guy. And that was like when I'm talking about, like I'm a real, like a really little kid. Mm-hmm. And then like there were always like a few like random dudes that I like fucking like would, I would cling to. Like I really liked Bad News Brown. He was awesome. Like he was awesome. Like to me, like Bad News Brown was Stone Cold Steve Austin like 10 years before Stone Cold. I mean, like even even longer. I, could, I don't know, like 10 years before Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like that was like. That he had like that kind of cool factor where it's like he didn't really fuck with like he didn't fuck with the heels or the face. He was just his own dude doing his own thing. Yeah, he was. Awesome. What about like during the NWO Attitude Era? Who who were your who were your guys? Oh yeah, I mean then of course I was like a Stone Cold guy at that point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was I was a big HPK guy, and everyone kind of made fun of me. I was like, no, he's the best. Yeah. He's so good. He's so, I liked he's HPK coming. back then too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like Stone Cold, of course. I mean, I feel like a lot, most people, you either went with like Stone Cold or The Rock, and I was more on the Stone Cold side of things. Although one of the most fun, like, things to me of that era was I remember like fucking just like the shift of like The Rock, The Rock, like gradually becoming cool. And you're like, I think I, I came to me, I was like, it, it's such a stupid way too, because like I'm watching it every fucking week. But then I had, um, 
I, which was like the terrible Nintendo 64 game. Um, Warzone no and oh. no, No Mercy was awesome. I'm talking about the Acclaim ones. Uh, it was like No Mercy, oh, oh. not No Mercy. I mean, Warzone and um, whatever the fuck. Like they were, they sucked. But I remember playing as the Rock in those. I'm like, yo, I actually kind of fuck with the Rock now. Like it made me like sit and think about it. Not that the game made me like him. But like playing as him in the game made me think about how much he had changed in that time. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of fuck with The Rock now. Yeah, I kind of had a similar uh, thing. It was like his heel turn. I wasn't really into it at first when he turned on yeah. Mankind because I was such, I was also a big uh, Mick Foley guy because he was just the, the hardcore. He was like the ECW representation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but like a little into that, like like later on into that world title run, I was like, no, this guy is fucking hilarious like i don't understand like how even like a person like like has that shift in personality like it's like it's still like, even like having witnessed it unfold before our eyes it's hard to fathom how, like how a person can like transform like that yeah agree and so i want to ask you since you were around during the attitude era which i think it's unfair it's only called the attitude era because wwe won i feel like it's really the nwo era. like nwo oh, is what dude. brought the mainstream back to wrestling and then WWE kind of capitalized on it. But I feel like, how would you compare the WWF versus WCW kind of fandom to modern day AEW versus WWE? So, and you're a hundred percent in like, in like talking about how like the NWO really ran that era of shit in thinking of that regard, it's not really a one-to-one comparison because thinking about about it from like that respect, I think I was in middle school at the time when the NWO was like really like popping up and it was like, you would walk around fucking school and I'm granted, I'm not in fucking school anymore. I don't know if it's like this, but I assume it's not, but you walk around school and you had like, there were like kids that were like, like half the fucking kids that watch wrestling had like NWO shit on all the fucking time and you knew who like the nwo kids at your school were and it was like you were a fucking part of it with them it was it was like i i don't think it's like that now so like, it doesn't it doesn't have that same like it hasn't penetrated the culture in that way yet i agree i think also just because there's so many more ways for kids to distract themselves nowadays oh there yeah. was like the internet wasn't as prolific streaming video games you know there was less even less cable channels so it was much easier for them to, to pierce through but uh, like for me it's more like it's so weird now on on twitter and i mean you know i know it's not real life but i feel like back then as a wrestling fan you kind of wanted to watch everything whereas now they're like there's it's very divisive it's like it's like either love WWE or you love AEW. You can't be into both. You know what it is though. It's like it, that definitely is a Twitter thing though, because it's like the people I know in real life. That's I mean, I'll grant a lot of people I know in real life, including me, to be honest. Like struggle to sit through a WWE show right now, but <laughs> it's not like, WWE. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's not like I fucking oh I hate I hate WWE. I hate WWE and they can't fucking do anything right. Or like I don't see like WWE fans in real life that are like. That shit on AEW the way that Twitter WWE fans shit on AEW. Like, it's there's a lot of things like this that are just like a Twitter phenomenon that doesn't carry on into real life. That's a fair point. Uh, yeah. And I do, I, I do agree. I feel like as a WWE fan, it's been a struggle to watch WWE lately. Yeah. Like, there's and been not- like they, they have a lot of people that I think are cool, but then it's yeah. like, I, they, I can't, like, I can't sit down and watch a whole show for like one or two guys, you know? It's very weird because I feel like their roster is incredible. The production is amazing, save for the unnecessary camera cuts, but it just all falls apart when it comes to the storytelling. 
Like the storytelling is brutal. Yeah, I am not like compelled. Like there's no, no point where I can jump in and like feel compelled to watch the whole thing. But like every once in a while, you can see like a ASIC match or something like that. But I, I'm just not sitting through that whole Falcon show. I've tried <laughs> a few times the past couple of years. So how about now? Who are your dudes now that you that, whose matches you always look forward to? What I'm really fucking excited for. And I haven't like really followed New Japan in a long time, but I just saw that Shibata is coming back. And dude, oh my fucking god, dude! Like when I fucking when I got into NJP Tub, when I got back into New Japan, like I was gonna say a few years ago, it's probably even longer than that. He was like the first guy that I saw that I was like, yo, like every match this guy is in is just a killer match, and he has matches with guys that like, like his matches with Ishii or Goto or just like all like among like my top fucking matches and like that was like a big moment where i was like oh like if he's done like i'm like i don't know if i'm going to be able to enjoy wrestling as much as i did with him not being in the picture so to see him coming back like that's a big one for me yeah i agree uh um i actually cried when he came out and oh hell yeah like like he was yeah i'm I'm not saying i was bawling but like it was definitely like yeah like i was like oh my god like i've never felt such emotion as with like the Shibata promos, like his comeback story is, is so exciting. And that match he had with Zack Sabre a few uh, weeks ago it was so great. Yeah, he's, he's he fucking rules. He's like one of my he's easily like at this point, probably one of my all time favorites. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. It's too soon to say he's like one of my guys now, but I was were you at the Long Island AEW show this past week? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> so like, as I, like I said, like I kind of only like casually follow it. Like, so I'll pop in and see a few things. So while I, like Hook has been a meme for like a while, but like I wasn't really super aware of that. So he just came out and did his shit. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I was like, that guy was like immediately like and then then I didn't realize he was Taz's son at first. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Cause I really love Taz back in the day. And like when there's like dudes like doing like cool suplexes and shit. So I'm fully aboard with the hook hype right now. Yeah. I'm all like wrestling is one area where I'm all for the nepotism. Yes. Bring everyone's yeah. kids in, have them do their parents moves. I love it. I'm all about it. It always gets over. Yeah. With me and, it, and it's really awesome. And he's just got like that kind of like that, like silent charisma where it's just like, He's just you. You just like you look at the guy, and you just like you know that he knows that he's the shit. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's it's almost crazy to me how over he is. Like mm-hmm. I saw on their their merch site, he's the first person to outsell CM Punk shirts since CM yeah, Punk came dude. back. And it's like that's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's like his first fucking match. Like how the <laughs> fuck? Like how the fuck is that possible? Yeah. Granted. Like Fuego did a great fucking job, like making him look like a million bucks, but still. Yeah, but he 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 has the just natural presence and charisma, and he's over, man. The whole crowd was just chanting hook, hook, hook. Yeah, yeah, like dude, like I was with like like I feel like the friends, so the friends I was weren't like super familiar with him either, but like even they like immediately were like, yo, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and th- that's the thing about AW two. I f- I kind of feel like if I want to get a friend of mine who doesn't have any frame of reference of, as to what pro wrestling is, it feels to me like it'd be much easier to get them into AEW than it would WWE. Oh yeah, maybe like 100%. lately, yeah, they just have so much shenanigans and like nonsensical storytelling that it would immediately be hard for a new viewer to invest themselves in it. Yeah, thinking back to that too, MJF as well, like. That fucking the promo he had with CM Punk a few weeks ago, like that shit was I was watching that in the car with my friends on the way to go there to get hyped up for the show. It was <laughs> that. <laughs> that's great. 
killer. So what, Although, gr- granted, like, uh, they, you know, we're out there in Long Island and it's like, I'm not, I'm not from Long Island. People are chaining 516 and shit. I'm like, all right, I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Like when CM Punk was yeah. shitting on Long Islanders, I was like, yeah, he's right. It is a shithole. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, I, lo- I love MJF, but yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I don't want to way better. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, music for a little bit. In, in the uh, Attitude Era, WWE, WWF at the time, and WCW absolutely got me into a ton of hard rock and heavy metal. I, I like to say that wrestling is how I got it. Heavy metal. How about yourself? I fucking I love to like walk around and like listen to wrestling music, but I feel like most of the ones that I want find myself listening to now, at least on the WWF side, it'll be like those quirky 80s songs. Like I fucking love the fabulous Rougeau Brothers theme. That was the first fucking, one that came to my head. That's the best. Yo, song I, I love it. Fucking all American boys. <laughs> uh fucking uh Dusty Rhodes' theme, Common Man Boogie. Well, yeah, All American Boys is a fucking banger. Like that All is, American like, Boys is an absolute jam, and like that synth solo, like mm-hmm. like and the 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 All American, like the background, yeah, like the melody. backing track, like they put yeah. fucking oh, work into that song. Jimmy Hart is a genius. I feel mm-hmm. he's very Abs- underrated. As absolutely, a yeah. That that was a Jimmy Hart track, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even in WCW, he had some jams. He did that like yeah. Steiner's. This is the story this- of two brothers. Yo, yeah. that one slaps too. <laughs> Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> he did uh what was another the fucking i mean the american male song it's not a good song per se but it's a fucking memorable song yeah yeah i don't know whose idea was it to like make them sound like ninja turtles or whatever the fuck that voice is <laughs> but it works i wonder if there's a mashup of those two songs i think that, i think they might work yeah because like they definitely there definitely is like some like crossover there where you could, where you could make it work yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe someone yeah. talented listening could, could make that happen. But yeah, even like for me, you know, the sound alikes like GDP came out to essentially smells like teen spirit. That's how I checked out Nirvana. I was like, oh, oh no good. shit. <laughs> yeah, that's such a that's such an interesting pathway to Nirvana from the fake DDP song. You might be the only person I've ever heard say that. I think so. Uh, that that was my path to rock music. That and just seeing Marilyn Manson on MTV were the two reasons that I got into into rock. Because I was like, oh, I'm different than all my friends who like you know boy bands or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that might be like one of the most interesting trajectories to rock music is through uh, wrestling. Although it makes sense, though. Yeah. Honestly, that's like something about ECW too. Like ECW, ECW was fucking awesome, but a big part of that was the music. Yeah, it's absolutely. like it's, I can't sit through those. Um, I mean, I can sit through them, but like, you know how the network changed all the copyrighted music and stuff. I had to find that version somebody made where they took like the HD versions from the network, but then edited it all to have the um, the uh, the proper music in it. Yeah, I'm blown away that somebody took the time to do this, but you're absolutely correct. Every ECW pay-per-view has been overdubbed uh, and it's available. Like if you Google it, you'll, you can find it. It's like a Google Drive. Uh, I have yeah. a bookmark somewhere, but yeah, that's so fantastic. And and I believe a ton of the hardcore TVs uh, as well. And I agree with you, like ECW got me into so many, so many bands. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I heard white zombie, nine inch nails, yeah. uh, offspring. I already knew, but like, yeah, there's definitely even got me into I found them like <laughs> prong. I didn't know until just incredible was using that. Yes. Uh, killing joke. I didn't know, but then they had, they had a um, skull von crush used killing joke. And he was also in those fucking, um, they were also in those like, vhs promos they had right right yeah and i mean it was just so good it was so cool and not something anybody could really ever do again just because oh yeah it's it's very illegal 
Yeah, very illegal and and, and yeah. knowingly so. I actually just interviewed uh, Paul Heyman and I asked him about it. And he, his answer was essentially like, oh, he would have just wasted too much money for them to sue us and we had nothing to be sued for. So we just got away with it most of the time. Yeah, that fucking rules. I love it. That's the attitude. So, you know, you, you mentioned you got into Metallica in uh, grade school. When were you like a full-blown metalhead? God, honestly. So like there were always like a few bands that like a few metal bands that I liked. But then I feel like what really like pushed me over into being like, this is like the main thing I listened to was honestly Slipknot. It was maybe like I got that self-titled album and then like it was kind of like a gateway for me to be listening to. Like, I was like to all the other new metal bands and then that led me to like Slayer and Cannibal Corpse and shit like that. Although honestly, I found Cannibal Corpse because I thought their T-shirt was cool. And I was like, let me listen to this band actually. And I was like, oh, this actually fucking rules. I feel like the only band other than Cannibal Corpse that got that got more fans through the T-shirts than Cannibal Corpse would be Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's another T-shirt band. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and new metal. I mean, w- what a fun little period when not only was there uh, fun music coming out, but the mainstream actually paid attention to it, <laughs> right? Like it was actually on TRL. Like it's so weird to think about, but a lot of those bands I learned about from MTV. I found System of a Down from MTV and fucking not slipknot from mtv and i found out i found about a slipknot from mp3.com like they did a live stream with cold chamber and i'm mm. like and i'm like watching that blurry on my 56k modem and i'm like oh this is pretty cool it is wild to think like there was a time where corn and like limp biscuit were being played and even system of doubt played alongside britney spears and like christina aguilera yeah. on the same show yeah it's fucking it's it's fucking nuts to think that that was a thing that happened yeah i mean and really i feel like it's almost like the last generation of bands to have that like mainstream appeal. I feel like bands today, it's so much harder. And really, I don't see too many bands that have broken through the mainstream since a band like Slipknot. Like the only other band I can think of that came out after them would be like Avenged Sevenfold. And to some extent now Ghost, but I don't think they're anywhere near the level yet. Yeah, like Ghost is kind of in their own lane too. They're kind of like, I, I, I'll like, uh, if I mention Ghost, you'll always get like those people who were like, want to debate whether or not they're even a metal band. So which it's like, that's a conversation I'm not interested in having really. They definitely like got really fucking big. I don't know how I could, I mean, I don't know the numbers to compare them for sure, but. I mean, they, they are playing arenas, but they're not selling out arenas. That, that's, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I saw them at like the, the big arena here in New York and there were people there, but it was maybe half full, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. So they're trying. <laughs> and let's talk about your band jinx so yeah one thing i've been saying uh the last few years and i don't think it's a controversial opinion is like new metal is back there's like a new metal revival it's no longer a dirty word i didn't i never understood why it, it was it, it was shamed i understand why why because it was like it was one of those things where it was like it was a genre of music that was very like What's the correct word for this? Like the well, the opposite of ironic. It was very, it was very a very earnest metal genre. And I feel like it, as a whole, as a culture, we've kind of moved away from that. And everything has to have like this kind of like self-aware layer of irony to be cool. And that new metal is very much not that. I don't know. I feel like Limp Bizkit's very ironic. They're still like their last album. I feel like now they are. Yeah, like that's okay. the thing. That's that's a part of the thing too. I feel like is driving the new metal return is like there's like this like layer of irony with it that people have become comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, even writing about it, I feel like once the new wave of uh, American heavy metal hit and like metalcore, you know, like Lamb of God, Killswitch, those bands, I feel like it was like passe to talk about new metal, and then there was like two other eras that came, and only like four or five years ago, I feel 
I think corn is actually a big part of it because corn stuck around. Corn never got that. And then they kind of hit this like legacy act level where people were like, oh, oh, you know, like actually new metal is fine. (laughs) Like we we accept it again. Even seeing like comments on on stories that I would write, there would be far less blowback than like five years prior. You know, it's weird. See, as someone who writes about metal, you probably have a unique perspective on that. Because I feel like you're like anything you write about bands like that, you're going to see the blowback for like talking about a new metal band versus like any other kind of band. So like, it's interesting that you've, you've noticed the shift. Yeah. I think that there's been a few things. Five finger death punch is a big one. Cause I feel like they're basically a new metal band. Like I'm sure they don't describe themselves as that. Yeah. Most, I feel like a lot of them try not to, no matter what. Like I've saw an interview or some shit where I've seen both Corn and Slipknot deny being new metal bands, mm-hmm. which I guess the argument maybe could be made for modern Slipknot, but I think it's new metal. I think Corn and Slipknot. Yeah, the, like, exactly. Like they're them and Limp Bizkit and like maybe yeah. Stand or like the big four or whatever, you know? Like I think there's an argument that System of a Down is a new metal because they always seem completely different than all those other bands. Yeah, that's one that's very contentious too because I actually, I had made some kind of comments like that. I forgot what the exact tweet was, but I had mentioned System of a Down. It was something about them being a new metal band and I got a lot of shit for calling them a new metal band. Yeah, I, I think it's just like the era. Like all the bands that came out in that era were just kind of lumped in with it. And it's not, I don't know. System of a, I wouldn't like as a system of a down fan, I wouldn't be offended if you call them new metal. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think, it, <laughs> I don't think it's, it, it's weird. But yeah, so as I was saying, like when Five Freaking Death Punch came around, it, they were kind of unapologetically doing the new metal radio sound. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the shift because when I first started writing about them, I would kind of write about them mocking uh, and like, oh God, here's a new Five Finger Death Punch song to torture your eardrum, something like that. And I would keep writing that. And then I would notice, in the comments as time progressed and the band got more popular, I realized like the people commenting were like, why are you insulting my favorite band? (laughs) And it's like, Oh, the only people that are reading this are five finger death punch fans. So why am I dissing that? Why am I spitting in their face when they're coming (laughs) to my website to get information about their favorite metal band who I might not necessarily like, like it's my, I have to provide a service to them. So I kind of like cut down on my, Five Finger Death Punch Rage. And I feel like when that happened is also kind of when people started. Like, I think also it's a generational thing because Mm -hmm. it's this new generation of metal fans who weren't around for the uh, new wave of American heavy metal and metalcore and didn't know about that stigma about new metal. That's true, yeah. And so they have no qualms about listening to Limp Bizkit or even an edema <laughs> or something uh, like that, like like those second or third rate bands. I've definitely noticed that like there are there's definitely like a younger crop of kids who are like getting into new metal shit, like finding the old bands and stuff. And they're totally isolated from that stigma that used to exist around it. Because like that was just like that that just wasn't a part of their life at any point. They were born after all that. Yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about your band Jinx. How long have you guys been around? And like, where did you like? When did you conceptualize the band? So we've been around for about I want to say about five years. I actually, so I wasn't the original guitar player in the band. Okay. Like they they had recorded the first EP, but then before the band actually released anything, they had a falling out with him, and that's when I came in. And then I think the vision for it was to always to kind of like incorporate that kind of uh, a kind of like have like the new metal sound, but not just be like a straight up like fucking we're going to play how shit sounded fucking 15 years ago. We're just going to we're going to incorporate those elements and do our own thing with them. And I think as the band has progressed, we've gotten a lot like a lot better with that. 
too. Like, like the way I would describe it, it would be like if if you had a new metal band, but like you have like more of like a like the hip hop elements to get put into it are like kind of like a more modern sound. Yeah. Of hip hop as opposed to like that. Like, that's the best way that I could put it. I It's just metal with groove, which is yeah. nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> everyone. You need a little groove in your song. You know? Yeah. There was um. what's funny is to think about it, too. Like, there is this one song that we put out all in caskets it was a so- like it's the song we have where it starts off like it's got like this very like thrashy kind of intro and then it just like stops dead and goes into a hip hop part and i was like listening back to it i'm like man this shit is so fucking jarring but it also like kind of like makes a statement about like what the band is so i think at first like people like hated that fucking song i mean some people did some people fucked with it but then it's like after, as it went on i feel like and this we put this out like 2 years ago maybe i want to say and as time progressed, I feel like people got it more. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I th- And I think there's less closed mindedness to listen to that kind of music. Whereas oh, before, yeah, absolutely. no one would. And so the, the, the reason I mentioned that is you released a single not too long ago called Heat Wave 98. Oh, yeah. Which, which is arguably the best ECW pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, it's it, it's one of, if not the best one. And it has my favorite ECW match of all time, which is Sabu and Rob Van Dam oh. versus Jensei, Suzaki, and Hayabusa. I was hoping you were going to say that because that's def- definitely my favorite from that pay-per-view. That's one of those matches where my friends come to me and like, show me a crazy wrestling match. It's like one of the first ones I think of because it's just oh, yeah. bonkers. It's so insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that one that. So it's funny. Like I was just I have like a notepad full of like song ideas that would I think would be like cool song ideas. And that was at the top of the one. I don't know how that came to me. I was just like, I guess I was thinking about Heat Wave 98 one night and I was like, this would be like a cool, cool, like song title. But then like my singer, he writes most of the lyrics. So I was just, I gave him that as a working title. And I was like, I just, I just showed him like the Dudley boys promo from that pay-per-view. And then he like the song, like lyrics have actually like nothing to do with that. It wound up being like, I think the song lyrics wound up being like about kind of like, like some altercation he had with somebody, but it has that same kind of energy. So it kind of, uh, it transferred over. I'm happy with how that one turned out. Yeah, and, and maybe uh, you got a few kids to go and watch Heat Wave 98 and get into I, I fucking hope so. Get into old ECW, so that's cool. Actually, no, no I, I believe I actually did have someone tell me that they did that. So, you know what? No, I remember what happened now. Like, for so because we named that song Heat Wave 98, some people started to get actual Heat Wave 98 shit in their recommendations after watching the YouTube video. Ah, so like it's absolutely did lead to that. That's great. The algorithm works. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> cool. And I, I saw that now you're kind of working as a brand ambassador for uh, Tommy N's clothing line, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that was cool. So um, he, I guess like he hit me up one day, like a while ago now. I've known him for a little bit. He hit me up because he, he was just a fan of the YouTube channel. Like he watches a lot of YouTube content. So and we just got to talking and we were talking about like the brand and stuff like that. And then one weekend he was like, yo, I'm doing a photo shoot for like the next one, like the next drop of stuff you want to come through. So I was like, hell yeah, this is going to be fun. So I flew down there. Um, got a couple of friends. Rusty cage came out too. And we just did a shoot for the brand. And it was sick. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, the clothing line is called the black mass. So that must've been black kind mass, of trippy. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a guy that you follow hits you up like, Hey, I'm a fan of yours. Yeah. That, <laughs> that will like never not be weird to me. Like it happens. It happens sometimes, but I'm like, no, you can't be a fan of mine. Cause I'm a fan of yours. So that's like, <laughs> <laughs> 
That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, it's been really, really fun talking to you about wrestling, about metal. Uh, and uh, I, 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 as soon as I saw that heat wave uh, song title, I was like, I got to have Justin on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw when you shared it and it was like, oh, sh- oh, shit. He like definitely like that's one of those things to you, too, where it's like a lot of people like a lot of people are, who like you got to have like the uh, the crossover of knowledge to like really get it. I saw you. Yeah. Did. I'm like, yeah, this guy, he knows for sure. It is really amazing to me, like how much wrestling information has been stored in my brain. Like I can't remember yeah. important details, but I will tell you the ECW wave 98 lineup, like no problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, but also even crazier to me is how many other people of our age, like I'm 38, I'm a few years older than you, mm-hmm. I think, but yeah, we're still I'm close. Same gen. Yeah. Same gen. And like, people of our age like we have all this knowledge about all this pro wrestling that even if we don't watch it anymore like it's still in there yeah because like this was just like the stuff that permeated the culture at the time that we were just like you know yeah at the, t- exactly. at the time where our brains were susceptible to new knowledge exactly yeah that's true <laughs> that's true it was that in south park essentially yeah pretty much <laughs> awesome justin well uh do you have any plugs do you want to let people know where they could find you um before I'm, we head out i'm on youtube the channel is wang tales from the internet Awesome. And the band is Jinx, J Y N X. Yes, absolutely. Check out Jinx. Check out t- check out Justin's YouTube channel for fun videos. And uh, thanks, Justin. Hopefully, we can see each other at a at a wrestling show soon. Oh yeah! Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Justin. That was a really really fun conversation. And make sure to check out his band Jinx. Good times had by all. It's uh, been a wild week in the world of pro wrestling. Now, I do want to mention, I, I said I'm, I'm going to try to make this show bi-weekly, and my goal eventually is to make the show weekly, but just the last month has been crazy for me. You don't want my excuses. You want to know what I think. But things will definitely pick up in 2022 for Squared Circle Pit. And as always, I'd love to hear who you want on the show, whether it be a, a wrestler or a musician. Hit me up, Rob at MetalInjection.net. Just hit me up on the socials, Rob Injection, and I'd love to hear that. This week, AEW had their first 60-minute time limit draw with Brian Danielson and Hangman Adam Page. And honestly, it was the fastest 60-minute match I've ever seen. My other favorite, you know, I've, I've had, I have a few favorite Broadways, but the first one that comes to mind is the amazing match that Kenny Omega and... Uh, Kazuchika Okada had a few years ago in New Japan that did not feel like an hour either and then they had like an hour and 20 minute match that was like a two out of three falls match which maybe is the best match I've ever seen in my life but this match is right up there with the other 60 minute draw did not feel like 60 minutes did not feel like it was dragging on I was actually really impressed because I feel like when they uh, gave the 10 minute mark I was like, whoa, 50 minutes just passed by? How did that happen? I think part of that is is likely due to the commercials. I was watching on a bit of a delay, so I fast-forwarded through uh, most of the commercials. But still, what a great match. What a fun story they're telling. And AEW, I just feel, is just really hitting on all cylinders right now. And it's wild to think that they're doing that without their first three world champions. Kenny Omega, John Moxley, and Chris Jericho, none of them are on the show. And they haven't been for a few weeks. I know Jericho's probably coming back really soon since uh, he's wrapping up his t- UK tour with Fozzie. Moxley, I don't know. I-, I guess it depends on how he's doing with his rehab. And Omega, he's going to be out for like a-, a few months at the very least until the next pay-per-view. So it should be interesting how AEW keeps the momentum going. I thought one way they would keep it going was with uh, Kevin Owens surprisingly showing up. There's r- rumors 
or there were rumors, I should say, that he might have been coming to AEW. There were some teases on his Twitter page and the Young Bucks Twitter page, people putting together these little Easter eggs they were leaving, but all for naught because Kevin Owens announced or it leaked, I guess he didn't officially announce it, that uh, he signed for three more years at about two to three million a year. And my my whole thing on this is, hey, you know, Kevin Owens, get that bag, make that money. As much as I would have loved to see Kevin Steen in AEW, Owens has a family to take care of. He has two kids. He has a wife. He has parents, you know, grandparents for both of his children. And he's a big WWE fan. He grew up with WWE. It was his lifelong dream. So I completely understand why he would want to stay. And hey, if AEW's around in three years, who knows? Maybe he'll go then after he's made, uh, you know, six to seven million dollars. Why not? As Borat would say. Uh, what else is going on in the world of pro wrestling? We have the day one pay-per-view coming up. Honestly, with WWE right now, I'm mostly only watching SmackDown. I am really enjoying this new iteration of Brock Lesnar. I think he's having a lot of fun with it, and it's very, very clear he's having fun. So it's fun to watch. Uh, and that's that's about as much as I'm really enjoying. I, I, I like Sami Zayn, uh, but otherwise, not really digging much of the stories. I, I haven't really been watching Raw too much. Somehow I find myself having plans every Monday these last few weeks, and it's fine. I don't, I don't feel like I miss anything not watching Raw. And with New Japan, I feel very guilty because I feel like I've, with the pandemic, it's been it's been a little more difficult for me to keep up with New Japan, just with timing, and, and I don't know, just the so- shows seem less exciting, but Wrestle Kingdom is coming up, which is like their WrestleMania. It's two nights and then a third night where they're doing an interpromotional event with Pro Wrestling Noah. And I'm pretty I'm, gonna, I'm pretty looking forward. Wrestle Kingdom is always exciting, but I will say it's the least excited I am for a Wrestle Kingdom in a while. The main events are pretty interesting. Okada versus Shingo, and then the next night Will Ospreay faces as a winner. But it just feels like there's no big hook to the event. Like, hook himself. <laughs> Speaking of Hook, I was there in Long Island for the debut, as I mentioned, with the, the Justin show, uh, the Justin interview earlier. And it was incredible how over Hook was. And all I could think about is how AEW just fostered this moment and allowed people to want Hook and not just job him out or, you know, put him in a silly match. They let him be himself. And it worked. And I look forward to, to seeing more of Hook. I think he's going to be a big star. There's a lot to look forward to in pro wrestling. There's a lot to look forward to in heavy metal. And I feel like 2022 is going to be even brighter and better. Hopefully, you know, with the variants and everything, it'll be stable enough where wrestling shows can keep going, where metal shows can keep going, and certainly Squared Circle Pit will keep going. That's going to do it for me. Please make sure to check out squaredcirclepit.com for all the episodes of the show. It's always a fun time for me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Till next time, I will see you in the pit.